Welcome to the Proverbial Pals, the fastest growing Australian Christian podcast with people named Nick and Michael as the hosts. I'm excited to be here. I'm Michael and alongside me is Nick. Say hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. Oh, very funny. Okay. I thought that was exactly, I thought it's exactly what you would like. That's your flavor of joke, I feel. uh, I think that's been done on this season so far. So thanks for uh, flipping the tables on me. Um, yeah, so if, if you're enjoying the Proverbial Powers, make sure to follow us on uh, all the social media uh, platforms, Facebook, Instagram. Um, yeah, and if you're enjoying the show, make sure to give us a review on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, so we're going to be having a lot of fun today, but hopefully too much fun because today we're exploring the topic of why Christians aren't fun. That's true. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope you are ready for this episode because you had all maybe do better do some stretches kind of pre-episode. For my co-host's brain athleticism will be taking ankles left, right, and center. If you do not guard up against this master tactician of academia, uh, give it up for the prestigious, the religious, the non-fictitious, my boy, Mikey Mike, with a name so nice, you got to say it twice. Give it up for my boy, Mikey Mike, on the mic. Thanks, Nick. Um, thanks, Nickity Nick. Um, it's great to be here with you back on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for welcoming me, and thanks for being here as we as we as we begin another episode of of the Proverbial Powers and season two, all that good stuff. Uh, in terms of not having too much fun, but having a, a different flavor or perhaps a different level of fun. Uh, on yeah. a on a fun ish side note, uh, I'd like we'd like to continue the bubble verse shout outs we've been going with this season. I got a little shout out this week to uh, my boy Tangosaurus Rex, who is my OG podcast partner. Uh, is a little Bible verse shout out uh, to him from James chapter three verse five. Uh, the tongue is also a small part of the body, but it can speak big things. See how a very small fire can set many trees on fire. Uh, just a little something on the power of words, which is his specialty. Uh, he's very uh, adept with the words. He's a big advocate as well on people using words wisely. Uh, not just polite words. My boy is also a sensei in the banter. But yeah, shout out to, to my boy Tangosaurus Rex this week for our bubble verse shout outs, which we've been going with for this season. So for this season, we've been speaking about weird things that Christians do. Uh, and today we're going to talk about the topic, why aren't Christians fun? Uh, so how about we dive into that? So today we're talking about why Christians aren't fun. And some of those things, often Christians can be considered boring, lame, not fun, um, the buzzkill of the party, Ned Flanders kind of vibes. And one of those things that, that encompasses that is can be alcohol. Um, why do you think that's the case, Nick? Why, why, why are Christians... Uh, uptight about these things? I think that Christians have, firstly, differing opinions around alcohol. Uh, Some are very Mm. anti-alcohol, kind of altogether. Yeah. For the most part, there's probably a minority though. For the most part, Christians are kind of pro-alcohol. However, in an appropriate consumption is kind of where Christians sort of land on that. Two Bible verses come to mind for me for that one. First one, uh, John chapter 2. Plus, you know, Jesus, he's at the wedding, there's a celebration going on, uh, running out of wine, Jesus turns water into wine. His first miracle, by the way. It's yes. fair to say that alcohol in of itself is an okay thing to have. 
Uh, what Christians are not going to do is get, you know, absolutely plastered on the drink. Uh, I'm thinking Ephesians 5, 18, you know, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Uh, instead, be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is, not you know, like, as in like the Holy Spirit of God, part of the Trinity, not the Holy Spirit that is whiskey. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. In the NIV, this comes under the, the heading of, you know, living as the children of light, where Paul outlines a heap of the things around Christian living in a far more concise way than, you know, 17 podcast episodes it's taken us. You know, we have outlined, I guess, for us there that drinking too much is going to break down our filters. uh, And we will say, and realistically probably do, uh, things that are not around the building up of one another, as we're called to do as God's people. And I think getting drunk is, is doubly dangerous thing for Christians as firstly, we're called not to do it, to, to not get drunk. So, you know, and therefore hence display hypocrisy, which isn't helpful when it comes to evangelizing. Uh, and secondly, we do dumb things that aren't in line with living life as one who's called to represent God, uh, which again does damage yeah. to the reputation of a Christian and hence the Lord. Uh, you know, Proverbs 20 verse one uh, outlines that mine is, wine is a mocker and beer brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. So I think Christians are obviously going to make godly decisions around alcohol and, and choose not to get plastered. And why that is considered not fun. I mean, culturally that's considered not fun. That's, you know, culturally is an Australian thing, you know, it's, mm. Like getting getting plastered is that's like a part of Australian culture, right? Yeah, that's just a Friday night, and then it rolls straight into Saturday. I think for me, it comes down to that: the more that I drink, the more of uh, less sound of mind that am I going to have, or be able to make wise decisions. Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to: that I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to go across the line. And then once you go over that line, then you could do something that you could regret. You could regret. I think that's something that's quite important to recognize and remember often like maybe not often but every now and then like you see something on like maybe the internet or whatever where someone's like oh when i got went on my wedding day i got really drunk and i don't really remember much of it me personally i'm not married but i'd like to think that if i do get married that i'll i'd like to remember the events of the day just because i don't know it's an it's pretty expensive day i'd like to remember it yeah um and hopefully you only get married once. So for a, for a once-off event in life, I feel like drinking an appropriate amount is is a wise decision. Yeah, I would say that wise decision is certainly the way to, to that I think as Christians we consider it. You know, we're thinking about it as godly thinking, which, mm. you know, is I hope is what Christians kind of go for when it comes to making those decisions. In really kind of anything in terms of Christian living, trying to think about things in a godly way should then have an impact on how we approach different scenarios in life. Like you think about, yeah, like yeah, the, the wedding classic example, another classic one, like 18th parties, you know, here in Australia, like yeah, having a big booze fest is basically what the classic, you know, Aussie birthday party is where, you know, birthday boy, birthday girl just gets, you know, absolutely sloshed on their birthday. But for the Christian they are making a choice where their ultimate identity isn't going to be found in, you know, Australian culture where like, obviously like, you know, you're getting, getting sloshed, getting wasted. But for mm. the Christian, their identity above all things is the fact that they are a child of God. So when cultural expectations, I guess, are, are on us that are 
in opposition to what a godly expectation is on us as Christians, people then got to choose to have their identity found in Christ and not in being an Australian or not in pleasing people or in being popular or successful or, you know, choose your own example in that kind of space there. I think that is for Christians why they get thrown into this pit of like, ah, like you're, you're not fun because you don't abide by Australian traditions. I think also as you get older, those stories of people that like to have a lot to drink or they go out and have wild parties and stuff, I don't know. I feel like as you get older, it's not as cool anymore. So, you know, maybe you'll see hear people that are maybe older than us, I don't know, 40s or whatever, and they're like, oh, mate, me and this me and this guy, we like me and my mates, we like we went out and we got smashed last night. And it's like, I don't know. I just it just feels like you're trying to recapture something when you're from your younger days or something. It just it just feels like aren't you too old for that now? Because um, generally speaking, that's something that happens when you're younger, uh, and maybe making not so wise decisions is is sort of more acceptable. Like in terms of, I'm talking more like in terms of not a maybe not so so much a Christian perspective, but like older people that go out and like drink a lot as they get older. It feels like they're kind of trying to recapture something potentially yeah you're right i hadn't even considered that i guess for some people it's about i don't know that it's almost like a we talk about it as an australian tradition or australian culture but it's almost a there's a particular age where that's the that's the kind of thing and people are i guess if they're going out i don't know you can people can still get absolutely trashed without going out to the club sure yeah i mean yeah it does happen i guess I guess another common setting as well in which we see the big alcohol consumption as well as, you know, just the, the weddings and the big, you know, 80th birthdays and 21st, those kind of things is uh, the like, you know, Bucks party or, you know, bachelor's party. Is that thing as what's called overseas? We call, we call it a Bucks party typically here in Australia um, or a hen's party as well. Those are also pretty common settings in which we see, I guess, Christian culture and, culture culture society's culture um western culture kind of clashing with one another uh so the next point of topic where obviously you probably will consume alcohol or there'll be alcohol there is bucks parties or stag do's hens parties uh for the women or what's uh bachelorette bachelor bachelorette all different kind of names if there's one we've missed let us know in an aggressive email or facebook yeah yeah we'd love it in all caps if if, if, the more aggression the better uh if we've missed one please let us know because i will lose sleep over it but yeah so bucks parties Uh, yeah I, i i find it quite strange sometimes the events that take place at these things because these are meant to be events where someone is gonna marry someone and be their sole partner for the rest of their life but there's obviously like some sort of other external activities that take place i mean not not that the ones that i've been to or the ones that i've been actually i think all the bucks parties that i've been to have been for christian friends so well, you're sounded about they mu- sounded like you were about to dig yourself into a huge hole then for a second no i was not no holes were being dug excellent um, clean hands and space yeah a clean what clean spade Shovel? Yeah, Spade. Doug. Bob. (laughs) Yeah, no. I think... How many have I been to? I reckon like four. Kind of lost count. But yeah, I mean, I often find that... I often find that there's... They're much more subdued. And I think I like that because it probably just fits my personality better. 
you have any comments, Nick? Please save me well, before yeah, I, I mean, incriminate myself. I mean, yeah, you think about the stereotypical Bucks party for a, a non-Christian in you know Western culture. It's you know the big boozy night. Maybe something mm. sporty kind of happens as well. Usually, maybe some time in the strip club as a stripper involved, something like that. It's a classic, very stereotypical. I get that not all non-Christian buck party is going to be like that. Um, that's probably the one that's the most portrayed in the media, and so hence, you know, probably the most culturally relevant or you know most common cultural example. And I guess you know why Christians. Why a Christian bucks party is different from this, and hence considered maybe not fun from a from a non Christian point of view. Firstly, it's probably because a non Christian maybe hasn't been to a Christian bucks party, and obviously, like what you've said as well, it's going to mm-hmm. depend on the personality flavor of the buck or the groom, the guy getting getting married. But I guess why Christians different? Well, firstly, like if we pick it apart a couple of steps at a time, the boozy night we've kind of already covered with the alcohol already. You know, there's the the strip club or the the stripper kind of element to the stereotypical Bucks night. Let me present one Corinthians chapter six verse eighteen: flee from sexual immorality. Paul is undeniably clear here, uh, and if people you know want to make the argument that you know oh culture's changed and and things are more acceptable today, I got two things to say about this. One, do you really think that first century AD Roman culture? Greek culture, there wasn't an abundance of sexual temptations on every single corner. That, you know, people aren't, you know, promoting themselves to be sexually desirable to those around them. That people aren't Mm. hooking up and having sex with multiple people and the mood took them. Where do we think the origin of the word orgy comes from? Like sexual immorality was a problem then, just like it is now. You know, it's it's a readily available temptation to us. And Paul doesn't sugarcoat it in 1 Corinthians 6, his word is flee, like run away from, don't be in the vicinity of it. And so if you're a Christian, you aren't going to be walking into those types of situations or establishments or sticking around when those things happen. My second point is that even if what culture has defined as acceptable or unacceptable kind of changes over time, God's word doesn't. God doesn't change his mind on what is acceptable or unacceptable for his people. So Christians will avoid the whole strip scene. They'll, you know, all all that kind of, and and everything kind of falls into that bracket as well. Christians will flee from that and not be in that kind of space, which is why, uh, which I think is where a a big difference comes in between, you know, Western culture, Bucks parties and and Christians as well. Uh, Instead, you know, classic Christian Bucks parties often just around like doing stuff together. Now, yeah, you know, it can often have a, a a flavor in Australia. I don't know about you know overseas or anything around like you know bringing embarrassment to the groom. That can happen a lot by you know making him do embarrassing things, make him stand out, wear wear like a tutu if they're running around no, doing yeah, paintball or yeah. you know chucking eggs at him in public or whatever. It's it's a way to make him kind of stand out, and it's it's a way to kind of I guess uplift him in in our own kind of weird cultural way uh, to show that this. This guy, or I guess girls, and I guess in a female setting as well. I don't know what happens at hands parties. I don't need to know. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, I don't need to know. Yeah, it's around making. It's like showing. Yeah, this this guy is special to us, and we're trying to mark a special occasion for him. Uh, which is why I guess Aussie, I guess for Aussie Christians, it's more about doing things together, and you know, make it making a bit of a weird fuss over it. We raise that person up by and making them look special by making them look silly or insulting them 
it's 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 male friendship 101 true for better or worse and I would say it's usually, and like because the guys who are organizing it would be obviously like his, usually like his best mates, they're going to know, like have a, they're going to have a good and, you know, intimate understanding of who he is, where the boundaries are, what they can kind of shake up for him, you know, maybe make him a bit uncomfortable at times, but not to the point where it's going to be like relationship damaging. Mm. If you, like, yeah, it's like you, you might put him in uncomfortable situations, but in the day, like, it's not going to be something he's not going to be like. Oh, I'm definitely not doing that. Like, obviously, like your, your best mates are the people who will choose options for you, which are, you know will be uncomfortable, perhaps, but are going to be fun. That you're, you're still going to get involved and enjoy. They're not going to be putting you in situations that you are like. I'm absolutely never going to do that. So there's that level yeah. of understanding your brother or, or sister, I guess, in, in a female context as well, selecting activities to do that suits them. I just want to put it on the record that I'd prefer no eggs thrown at me. How about dry pasta? Dry pasta? Wait. <laughs> if it's... Oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, how much pasta are we talking? I mean, yeah, probably. Well, I, I, had mate, I had a mate of mine who got, um, who got snittied for his... On his bucks party, so he had like. Do I want to know what that means? Well, they kind of turn him into a schnitzel, so they they chuck eggs at him and they oh, chuck you know sand okay. or breadcrumbs on him or something like that. Um, yeah, okay. We could. Yeah, well, no, we I could don't want to spend the rest of the day. Up. We could throw pasta and sauce on you. I don't want to spend the rest of the day dirty, so it's kind of gross. But yeah, anyway, maybe throw because uh, the pasta wouldn't really hurt that much. I don't think. But, yeah, um, unless you, you said got, like, no, but now you think about it, you're like, actually, I could be pushed into that kind of situation. <laughs> Maybe you throw me, um, th- throw spirals. I feel like those would hurt. What do you think it's in your eyes? Or, sp- or spaghetti. Yeah, look, the spaghetti in your eyes. Ooh. Dangerous. <laughs> wear, wear some glasses. <laughs> Shield. So the next thing that we are going to discuss is obeying rules. Sort of similar to what we've discussed before. There's probably like an overarching theme of that. As Christians, we like to obey rules, potentially. So that's why we don't necessarily indulge or partake in all aspects of like, you know, drinking or bucks parties or other activities that some people might do on a, on a, of an evening. So obeying rules, I feel like me personally, I am a stickler for rules. Correct. Until I want to, until I want to break a rule, then I'm then I'm not a stickler for rules. I, I think, would also I like to. It- I would like for this to go on the record that through Michael's entire high school career, never received a single detention. Despite I gotta say, how hard we tried, never got one. Yes, yes. Uh, that actually, I'm glad that this has come up because I did receive a detention, but I talked my way out of it, which is impressive. Because I don't know, maybe, maybe I should have gone into law or something. But yeah, that's the that's the one time because I actually st- actually stood up my, for myself. It was one of my friends that was at fault. They don't. Um, was this so, the one yeah. in, in um, computers class? Yeah, that, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was a I was a mere bystander to the, to this situation. Um, for for yeah, those maybe, for those who aren't familiar with the in joke, uh, we were in around about year nine or year ten. We we're doing a computers basically. Like, I think it was year nine. And yeah, no, it, it come to our attention, you know, towards the end of the year in year nine, Michael's, you know, third year of high school and is still yet to receive a detention for, for doing anything wrong. 
So we mm-hmm. conspired to uh, frame him for something. So I think my mate bumped oh, into yeah, Michael, yeah, yeah. fell onto all the computers in the uh, in the computer lab, and was like, "Oh, Michael, he pushed me!" And then got up and tried to start a fight with Michael. And yep. as a result, Michael received an attention, but the truth came out and he was uh, cleared as a result. Mm. Rightfully so. I was cleared of all charges and exonerated. I washed think I was clean, not by the it. blood of Jesus, but by his own, by, by the truth. He was washed, washed clean by the truth. Correct. As we all are um, as Christians now. But I think, I think I was tackled onto the desk or a desk. And then somehow I got in trouble for that. There were Figure many computers out. knocked in, <laughs> in, in said story. It was quite a tackle if I remember correctly. So, well, it felt like it at the time anyway. But yeah, I, uh, I I love I love routine. I, I I like I like obeying rules or at least sticking to patterns or routines. So, like if I've done something previously, I'll probably stick to that way of doing that thing. Like if it's a work task or something like that, until I have to change it. Because if I follow all the steps that that I'm meant to do, then I'm probably gonna then I'm probably gonna get the right outcome that I need for the task that I'm doing. So that's why me personally, I like following the rules because. The rules of the guidelines. I have, a, I, have a, I have a funny little side story. I don't know. I'm going to maybe maybe make myself look silly here. But I have recently started watching Bluey because I have a lot of free time and I don't know what to do with it. Um, mainly because... Don't be ashamed main- of oh, that. Don't be... Australia's I, number one show. Well, it started from the cricket episode. Uh, and I was going through... I, I was going through like... When was this? It was a couple months ago, I think, that came out. Um, someone told me there was a Bluey episode about cricket. And I was like, I've got to watch this because... I like cricket. And then uh, it was quite emotional. I got quite emotional at the end of it. I was like, oh, man. It's, a, a bit of a- it's, it's, a, it's full on. It's a roller coaster would, of emotion episode. T- tearjerker. So if, so if you haven't seen the Bluey episode about cricket, I would recommend 10 out of 10. Anyway, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So the story about... The, the, I've started watching it from the beginning because I yeah I need things to do. And one of the episodes, the kids are playing a game and one of the kids likes to change the rules or doesn't want to follow the rules. But then one of them said the life lesson of it is that rules make the game fun. And if you don't follow the rules, then you make the game too easy by just doing whatever you want. So the life lesson is that it's important to follow the rules because they provide the framework of like they provide the framework of the game. And that's that's my story. So yeah. I learned something watching a children's program. Which, you know, so, if you want to take a Christian flavor to that is why, you know, God initially gives the his people the, the Ten Commandments. And he's like, hey, like, mm. you know, these these are the rules of the game. That is, you know, the game of life. You want to be successful. And you, you want to win the game of life and, you know, be and continue to stay in, in you know, relationship with me, which, which you know, is, is winning at life, really, when you're in a relationship with, with God. And, you know, mm. this, this is kind of, these, these are the, the, the rules that you, you got to play by just as much as, you know, the the bird of the air, you know, while it continues to play by the rule of, you know, aerodynamics and, and things, will continue about to fly. As soon as the bird's like, you know, stuff stuff aerodynamics, I'm going to do my own thing. It's going to plummet to the ground. He's going to die. Same with the, the fish mm. in the water. If the fish in the water is like, nah, stuff breathing on the water, I want to be on land, he's not going to last real long before he's cooked in the sun and he dies. Anyway, but Christians are, they're like, yeah, there's rules. Obviously, yeah, God sets some rules up for a reason. And so Christians are like, hey, we like to follow rules. 
hence they get called you know goody two shoes or you know you know other expletives as well sometimes and but yeah they they do it for a reason mike what are your what are your thoughts around christians obeying rules yeah i'm glad you asked me that because i was that's led me into the next bit Uh, i want to bring the bible into it so galatians 3 i feel like is a great reminder of this uh is that in that we're saved by faith and not by works so it's good to follow the rules and it's good to keep those rules in check but we don't want to be legalistic with everything because we know that at the end of the day we're going to be angry or we're going to you know lose our temper or like other things we're going to be impatient i'm trying to think of an example that's not related to anger um we're gonna maybe we're not going to tell the truth 100 percent of the time or we're gonna do the wrong thing for whatever reason it may be so galatians 3 is a great reminder and it says i I, I want to quote it because i feel like that the tone of the the text is quite funny so i thought I'd, i'd read it so it says you foolish galatians who has bewitched you before your very eyes jesus christ was clearly portrayed as crucified I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law? Uh, Sorry. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So it's a good reminder for when we mess up. But what I really like about that is in the context of this is that I would like to, when Paul Paul wrote Galatians, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Thanks for confirming that. I like how Paul says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Like I imagine that as quite sassy. I don't know. I, I don't know what it's like in the original Greek or whatever it's written in, but I would like to learn just one thing from you. Like he's really kind of saying, guys, what's going on here? So did, yeah. Did you receive, did you become Christians by doing works of the law or by believing what you heard? And that's, I think ultimately the message of what that passage is trying to say. Thoughts? Um, I mean, for me, let me, let me return fire and spit a couple of verses at you. Verse 12, you know, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. You know, our lives mm. effectively are a witness to those around us for the Lord. So we should do what, what is good and, and what is right. And again, think back to what I was saying earlier in the, in the alcohol section around we don't want to be hypocritical. And when people would be looking at us and being like, hey, aren't you as a Christian meant to be like this? Aren't you meant to be, you know, living out the the good and right kind of life? And if we're disobeying the rules, it's going to be like, hang on, something doesn't, something doesn't fit here. Uh, verses 13 to 14 of, of that same chapter, uh, submit yourself for the Lord's sake uh, to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. We are directly told to be good citizens that you know, we should follow the law. And I think the only time the Christians are actually called to disobey the law of the land is that if it goes in direct contradiction to how we're told to live by God. I think a great example of this in uh, Daniel of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, who refused to bow before King Nebuchadnezzar, who wanted to be worshipped as a God. Now, it's obviously in direct conflict with the God-given commandment, you know, not having any other gods, like little G God, uh, before or above God, big G or, or OG, original God, um, or only God, in fact. Mm. So that's an example where Christians would disobey the law only if it contradicted what it means for them to be a Christian, be living out a godly lifestyle, which I would say very rarely occurs in our Western nation. Like where we live in Australia, it's, there's not really, we're not really faced with that, you know, optional time. 
However, you know, like, you know, when you're driving a car and the, the signpost pops up and it says 60, if you're doing 70, you don't be like, oh, like the Lord has called me to not, you know, to, to floor it through here. That's not a thing. Um, we got to make sure that, yeah, as Christians, we want to be doing the right thing and, and obeying the Lord and, and being good citizens. Like Proverbs 24 verses 21 to 22 uh, talks about being good. Being a good citizen is really important. You know, fear the Lord uh, and the King, my son, and do not join with rebellious officials. Uh, for those two will send sudden destruction on them and who knows what calamities they can bring. I think Romans 13 verse one as well, you know, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, but there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Even dodgy authorities, which have been put into place, God has kind of put them there and we should obey the authorities. Like there's multiple accounts throughout the Bible about basically you should obey the authorities unless obviously it's like, you know, it says you have to give up being a Christian, in which case then you can be like, well, stuff you government, God is more important than you. So, yeah. I like what you said about I like what you said about uh, people who judge us for not always doing the right thing because we all make mistakes and nobody's perfect. And I think we mentioned this on a previous episode, maybe the evangelism episode or the presenting Christianity episode back in season one, where we don't follow Jesus because we are perfect, but we but we follow him because we know that we aren't. And that we need a savior. Mm. So, yeah, like, because people will, will say, if people will say, oh, like, you know, Michael, like, you're a Christian, why are you drinking too much? Or why are you doing, you know, speeding or swearing or whatever it may be? And yeah, like, we know that we shouldn't be, but sometimes, you know, we're, we're human too. Like, we're not perfect all of the time. And that's why we need grace and we need to be saved. Absolutely. Uh, because we make mistakes. Yeah, we make mistakes. And like, if, if show me someone, sh- show me someone that's uh, sh- uh, their actions match what their words are, hundred percent of the time, and I'll call you a liar because you won't find you won't find someone that hundred percent of the time what they believe or what they say will match who they are because people are human and will make mistakes. Uh, and will Jesus? Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. Check you me. got me there. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm the liar. So there you go. Uh, yeah. I mean, as Christians, we've got to be careful because I think there are a lot, plenty of non-Christians that are waiting to call Christians out for doing the wrong thing, which is why Christians have got to be like very godly minded with, with everything that they do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So the last topic we have today on in this why aren't Christians fun category is board games. Now, for some reason, I don't know what it is. I don't know what stereotype it is, but I've been speaking to people lately and there's just something about Christians and playing board games. Oh, to me, Christians I don't get a board it. Like, game. like, I enjoy a board game, but when someone explains the rules of a board game to me, you might as well have spoken it in another language. Like, my brain just goes... <laughs> It turns off. I don't know what it is. Like it could, it could be three o'clock in the afternoon. I could have just had some coffee. I could have like had a nice lunch to like keep me sustained and full. But there's something about it. I just don't know what it is. My brain. You might as well. You could say it backwards. The words forwards, backwards doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, I, I don't get it. Could someone explain to me why Christians love board games? Is it because we don't? Is it because of the alcohol? Is it because of Bucks parties? What is it? Someone please explain it to me. And I feel like I've had conversations with friends. Well, it's, it's, come up, it's come up recently where someone mentioned it, and I'm like, yep, yeah, it's not just me that thinks this. 
please someone and please please someone help me out well firstly if they're explaining the rules to you backwards i can understand why that doesn't make much sense to you yeah yeah well it, it's an it's an exaggeration for 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 effect yeah i was thinking about i was thinking about this because Yes, Christians love a board game for whatever reason. And I think I've come up with a couple of reasons why I think Christians are froth out on board games so much. Yeah, Firstly, side, side note, we did one of these recently uh, for our, our monthly guys night. Uh, shout out to Big Pat for organizing it. But well, why are Christians so into this? Here's a couple of my thoughts I'm going to throw at you. First one, it's a form of rest or relaxation. Now, it's not obviously the only form of, of rest or relaxation, but I think a lot of Christians do it because it is a form of rest or relaxation. You know, Christians, we're, we're encouraged to do Sabbath rest. You know, we've spoken about during the burnout episode that as humans, we are designed to have a, t- a time of rest. And this is just one example of how people like to rest. Not every Christian's flavor, it just seems to be a lot of them. But also then links to the next one is the idea, I think that it is really, it can be quite community building as well. People are designed to be in relationship with one another. Throwback season one, episode one, friendship. Board games are often a way of being connected and in community with other people. Another one which may sound like a contradiction to the whole community thing, but it's actually not, is it allows for an element of competitiveness because board games can be competitive. You know, if you ever watch, you know, a lot of Monopoly-based memes, you know, friendship destroying. Oh, yeah, true. It, board games can allow for a, a level of competitiveness that isn't going to necessarily upset people. Now, obviously, there are people who can take things way too seriously, and that is frustrating. Well, they take it so seriously that it, it does damage to relationship, and that's, you know, exceptionally frustrating. But being competitive isn't a bad thing. You know, it, it can be, you know, a, a bad thing, certainly, but it invites us to give our best in a situation so that it gives people who are, you know, st- strategically or tactically gifted to be able to, to display their God-given talents in a way that's kind of cool to demonstrate, but not necessarily going to hurt feelings as well. So I think people who are very strategically minded, it's a cool way for them to be able to demonstrate that as well particularly in some of those more complex games, which, you know, Christians seem to enjoy. I think it also, I'm thinking about the community aspect thing of things as well. It allows for conversation to happen at the same time. Like, generally, if you're sitting around mm, playing a board yeah. game, you can go for half an hour, an hour, two hours, three, you know, some of them can be all day kind of things. I know at a, a previous church, they used to use it as a way to evangelize and get people kind of into church communities. Um, they used to play Dungeons and Dragons, which is like the most, you know, geeky thing ever. They used to play before church in the hall and, you know, we're getting non-Christians coming along to play a bit of D&D. Was helpful for getting those people who were not used to stepping even onto like church grounds just to kind of get, just to, to actually come to be in the vicinity of a church building. For, so for those people, it was a big thing. But I think why it is so successful or popular uh, amongst people, not just Christians, is I think it's the narrative of Dungeons & Dragons. Look, I've never played. I've, I've watched it play. I watched those guys at my church play. And there was a few people in the group who were just a, a bit too intense with it. And I was like, I'm not. I'm just going to be way too frustrated if I'm playing with these people. Um, so I haven't been down that path. But I think why it's so successful is it's the narrative. It's the telling of a story that goes alongside the, the game. And I think this is why a lot of board games are successful. Because I think we as people, we love a story. 
That's why, you know, conspiracy theories are so popular. Because despite the fact that it's usually unbelievable, when told as a, a story narrative, things are captivating to us. You know, there's this, as, as a podcaster in the States, uh, Amin Hudson, who makes this great point that there is a reason why God chose to tell the majority of the Bible through the format of narrative, because it speaks to us. Uh, this, I think, is one of the big reasons why, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and, and lots of uh, board games are really popular amongst Christians because of the storytelling. You know, as humans, we're wired to enjoy that and be involved in storytelling. That's why I think Christians really get get into it, particularly as really complex things where there's stories and you can pick and choose and you get, you get some control over kind of the, the direction that the story goes. Plus, I think that there's also a lot of variety with board games. Like you can get the very immersive and storytelling ones, but you also get lots of like simple based ones as well. Like, I don't know, Bananagrams or... Oh, yeah, Bananagrams, classic. Trying to think of something simple. You know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there you go. Go on. You know. You know the game? You know? Yeah, correct. You know You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anyway, those are my... Those, yeah, that's, that's why I think, you know, Christians are in the board game. And there could be like other reasons on there that I, I, I've missed. But yeah, those are just some of my observations and experiences. I, I, I one of my favorite games is blackjack because it just it's just counting to twenty one, and the rule the one rule is don't go over twenty one. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Nothing nothing fancy. Nothing flash. Nick, I got a question for you. I want to know where what is the most Christian way you've played a board game, or like most Christian event or place that you've played a board game at? If we're talking about stereotypes, the most or typical Christian thing. place. Yeah, yeah. The most Christian place, when I was a young man, we was, we was on, we, we were on, I was on a Christian leadership camp, uh, next okay. gen up in, up in Katoomba, conveniently, it's where I met my wife, and yeah, first night, we were playing Jungle Speed, it's actually one of like the places where like I really like got to know my wife. And yeah, just, um, there was a few people playing. I didn't know any of these people, just, you know, classic Christian campsite. Everyone's just super inclusive. Hey, yeah, cool. Come join. Jungle Speed's going on. Just jumped in with these people and we just, you know, just played, just played with a bunch of people I'd never met before. Had a heap of them on Facebook. Ended up marrying one of them. So there you go. There's just be careful who you game with. You may end up marrying that person one day. Careful who you add on Facebook, kids. Shout Actually, kids wife. don't use Facebook anymore, so. Definitely not. That went out yeah. the door a little while ago. Yeah. Did you have an example of the most Christian game place yeah, I did. you wanted to, to share? So the most typical, the most stereotypical uh, Christian way I've played board games or place I've played board games would have to be at a Bucks party. I feel like it's happened at least once, which given what we've spoken about today, I feel like it's fitting, a fitting bow on top of the the thing. But yeah, like I just feel like it was very, no, it was great. Like to be honest, it was great because um you could still like eat and have a drink. But also, like, there's an activity that you're doing, which when you don't know most of the other people there, it's a lifesaver because, like, it, it's a it's a way to have a conversation with someone without having to be like, oh, so what do you do for work? And then five minutes later, you're like, I have nothing in common with this person. Yeah, and it, <laughs> so, it can take the game. intensity out of a conversation with a new person as well. Like, rather than exhausting mm. all topics in the first five minutes, that you know, those conversations can be extended over a longer period of time because there's something else distracting you whilst you're doing it. Plus you've got more time to think 
more time to then, I guess, be engaged with the person and ask questions and opportunities to, to get to know people, I guess, as well through, through that kind of space. And it depends on the game, like provided it's something that allows for, you know, side conversation. I think those things are pretty cool. Mm. And that's, I think why Christians can often get around them. Oh, there's like, uh, I played board games at a camp one year and yeah, there was like, it was, a you know, what do you mean? Or was like, oh no, 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 actually no, it wasn't that. It was, um, what do you mean? No, it was Cards Christians, like I think, and ah, there's just is that a lot the of Christians been off of Cards Against Humanity. Uh, Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, I think it was something like that, and it was really good because um, I teamed up with someone, and it's funny because then you can like laugh at the joke together, but then like if because everyone was playing by themselves against each other, but we were like a team, which was kind of fun. It's cool good to time. have a Christian flavor on that as well. Yeah, because there were there was like inside jokes about things that wouldn't make sense in the uh, the original version of the game. So, yeah, I thought it was cool how it, it was a bit more prevalent to, like, it's its own thing, which was cool. And for our final segment on, you know, why Christians aren't fun, the Christians do these things called make podcasts. And that's typically seen as not a fun thing to do. <laughs> No, in all seriousness, though, we've spent a fair chunk of time, as per usual, answering this question. Um, if I refine it down to, I guess, our general thoughts, if you want the too long didn't read or too long didn't listen version, I'd say that Christians don't fit the cultural definition of fun because their choice of actions is about not conforming to the culture's definition of the way to live your best life by how God calls us to live our best life. You know, for the Christian, the priority is God first, anything else second, really. Mm. Uh, when cultural expectations on you are in opposition to godly expectations on you, Christians choose to have their identity found in Christ uh, above all else, really. That's that's kind of why Christians get perceived as not being fun. But a fun thing that people could do, Mike... A fun, a fun thing that you can do is follow follow the proverbial powers on social media on yes. Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you want to send us an email with your thoughts on this program today or any other episode, hit us up at the proverbial powers at gmail.com. Leave us a voice message on Spotify for podcasts or whatever it is. Leave a comment on the Spotify episode. Just just interact with it in any way you so deem so appropriate. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, we hope that you guys have enjoyed this season and yeah, we've had fun making it. So yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Good to see you picking up what I'm putting down. You want to give a cue the music? Cue the music. 